All right. Well, it is wonderful to be here with you today, and we are continuing to make our way through the book of Luke. Um, I think this month we've been in Luke about a year, and we are just now beginning chapter 7, and in some ways it can look like we're never going to get through it, but I also think that sometimes the idea of the Word of God is not necessarily um, to get through it, but to let us, or let it get through us. And so therefore, as we are taking these bite-sized chunks, my prayer is that it has been something that could minister to you and that you've looked at this book in ways that you have not already. Because I think that Sometimes familiarity breathes, breeds apathy. And we do not want to be apathetic about the Word of God. If you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to uh, go through verse 15 today. And I'm just going to get started by reading the first by reading all the verses for today's text and then we will open in a word of prayer now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people he entered into Capernaum and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die and when he heard of Jesus he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned into the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of the disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he had come nigh unto the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. 
And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. May the Lord have his blessing on the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we embark on this journey through these verses in Luke, Lord, I pray that we would be changed people. I pray that we would glean what you have for us to glean and that we would throw away anything that is not of you. Lord, I pray that these studies would encourage people to search the scriptures, to be Bereans, so that they will know the truth for themselves and that the truth will set them free. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so the first thing I want to talk about today, and I've, I've kind of summarily titled this particular section, Jesus teaches about faith and shows great compassion. And so, if you're keeping notes, that's kind of my heading for today. And the first one I want to talk about is the centurion calling for Jesus in the first five verses of Luke chapter 7. And it, and I just want to read these five verses one more time, and then we'll, we'll go through it a little bit. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he had heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came unto Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Okay, so first of all, we meet this centurion. And we, are, we can see from the very first verse that this centurion was a very um, dedicated individual. That he loved others because he had a servant that was dear to him and was sick and ready to die. Now, when we think about servanthood, usually it's either, it's either a paid servant who is viewed as an employee or perhaps an indentured servant that is forced into service but it's definitely an employee-employer type relationship. It's not usually something this close. But we see here that this centurion had a great regard for this servant. And so when he hears that Jesus is coming, he sends for him. Because he knows from what he's heard that Jesus can handle this difficulty. I think this first point is a very good one. The first thing we should do when we are in crisis is go to Jesus. I, I remember hearing a story and it stuck with me to this day. Probably heard it the first time like 10 years ago. About this lady that was having a difficulty. I don't remember if it was, if it was financial or if it was physical. And she was trying all these things to deal with her problem. All these ways. And she had, she had exhausted her resources. <laughs> and then someone said, have you prayed about it? And she said, has it come to that? Is that all we have left? And that just shows 
how backwards many of us are at certain times. Even myself. Um, I find myself discouraged and complaining and God will compel someone to send me a note or a card or a financial donation even on my worst days. And he will continue to confirm to me that he has it all under control. And that if I would just go to him in the first place, I would avoid a lot of anxiety. You know, I didn't total it up, but I know there's a lot of times in the scripture where Jesus says, do not fear. And it's because he knows what he is doing. And so we see an acknowledgement of this in the response of the centurion to bring uh, Jesus into the situation. And then we see acknowledgement from others that this man is worthy that Jesus should do this. And I find it very interesting that this man is not a Jew. Remember, at this point, Jesus was still kind of in the mode where he says later to the Syrophoenician woman, I come not but for the lost sheep of Israel. And when he realizes that she's an earnest believer, she, he answers her request to heal his daughter. But the point being, this was not a member of the Jews. This was a Gentile, and yet he loved the Jews, and he did great things for them, and he built them a synagogue. So this was a man whose reputation preceded him. And so I just I think that this is such a good setup. And as we go on through this, we will see that Jesus has some pretty uh, admirable words for this man himself. Um, and uh, I just wanted to look at another um, example by way of cross-reference to this first point before we go on. It's another man who realizes his only recourse is Jesus. And this is one of my father's favorite stories. And uh, it, is, it is also one of mine. And this is the story of a, of a man with a demon-possessed son. And it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 38, And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit hath taken him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, and he foameth again. Um, and bruising him, hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And, <clears throat> and as he was coming, the devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And of course, there is another passage where I believe it says um, this, you know, where 
He says, if you believe, great things will happen. And this man says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. But the point here, again in this story, is that this man knew that Jesus was the answer to his problem. And so must we know that Jesus is the only answer to our problem. It's not in religion. Going to church every week doesn't save you. Listening to a sermon every week doesn't save you. Putting money in the collection plate doesn't save you. The only thing that saves you is the grace of God, which is imparted to us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus is doing these healings, he delights to do these physical healings, but the point of the physical healings is to point to Jesus Christ as the only spiritual healer there is. And so we move on through our Luke chapter 7 passage to the next five verses. Luke chapter 7, verse 6. We'll pick up the reading there. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant will be healed. For I, I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, in all Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Now, once again, there's a lot here, but let's just look at this. So, the centurion's friends have just gotten done saying, this guy's worthy, he loves the Jews, you should do this for him because he takes care of us. Even though he's a Roman, he cares. And then he comes back with a message and says, don't come into my house, I'm not worthy. That's the first step to coming to Christ by faith. I, I had a friend once that I had been witnessing to at work, and one of the things that she had said to me was, I'll never be worthy enough. And I said to her, that is the point. I am not saved. I am not going to heaven because I am worthy enough. I'm going to heaven because I realized I wasn't. And a lot of these religious leaders, they thought that they were not only were they worthy of having Jesus come, but they, they didn't think that they would even condescend to have Jesus come. Because they thought, well, we're so much better than he is, and he has a following, and we don't want him to, because we want all of the accolades to ourselves. 
And so they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And here's this Roman official, a centurion. Centurion means he was over at least a hundred men. And this centurion, this Roman centurion, says to Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And then he goes and he talks about the authority structure. And he says, I am a man who is under authority. And I have people under my authority. And because they're under my authority, I know that if I say it, it will come to pass. That's essentially what he's saying here. And he's acknowledging that Jesus has the authority to heal. That the authority over disease is under Jesus' command. And Jesus says, I have not seen so great faith even in all Israel. It says in John chapter 1, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him. To them gave He power to become the sons of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus came unto the Jewish people, this was their Messiah, the one that had been prophesied for hundreds of years. And where does he find the greatest faith in Israel? It's in the life of a Gentile centurion. Now I don't know if this is the same uh, centurion that was at the foot of the cross that said, surely this was the Son of God, or if it was a different guy, if we'll meet both these guys in glory. I certainly hope they heard the end of the story. And that we will see them in glory. It would be interesting to hear that story as a first-hand account. But the point being, for that time, for that moment at least, he had the faith to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And it's so important for us to get that. You know, some people say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. So we should follow his teaching, but... He wasn't necessarily the Son of God. See, there's a problem with that. When, when the rich young ruler said, Good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? He was acknowledging that Jesus was God. And Jesus didn't dispute it. As a matter of fact, he said, No one is good but God alone. And then Jesus made statements like, before Abraham was, I am. And people said, well, you're not even 50 years old. How do you know our father Abraham? And he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad. And as I said, before Abraham was, I am. So he made it very clear who he was. If you look especially at the book of John, you'll find that the whole book is him telling people who he was, them rejecting it, his answer. Then they ask again, who are you? He gives them his answer, and they reject it, ultimately resulting in him hanging on a cross because of who he said he was. And so... Then, this is one of my favorite parts. 
When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have found, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. Now, I, I find it very interesting, a couple of things in this passage. Number one, Jesus never said, be healed. But he was obviously thinking about this man. And so even in his thoughts are the power to heal. Number two, I think this, this story reinforces the importance of embracing and teaching a literal six-day creation of the world. People say, well, God, some people say, well, God might have started the process and then over millions of years after God started the process, we got where we are. But the Bible says in Hebrews that by the word of God, the heavens were created out of nothing. It's the same word of God that was here. And in the time that it took for the servants to go back to this man's house, after Jesus' declaration of his faith, the servant was whole. There are many times when there's power in the touch of Jesus, but Jesus didn't even touch him. And still there was power. Why? Because it's the very power of the one who created the heavens and the earth. Could somebody look up for me James 4.10? James 4.10. Talking a little bit more about this faith. What did we see in the story of the centurion? We saw him humble himself. It would have been very easy for him to say, I'm a Roman official. The Jews are under the Roman rule. You're under my thumb. Therefore, if I tell you to come, you have to come. It would have been very easy for him to say that. And at least in his eyes, been right. But what does he do? He says, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And it's at that point that Jesus is free to work. It's at the point when you don't feel worthy that God can use you. I had to learn this. I had... Many struggles with pride in different areas of my life as a young child. And then I had struggles with inferiority. And when I was 14 years old, God broke through to me and he said, Andrew, I don't need to change you on the outside to use you. Stop complaining about being in this wheelchair. Stop making excuses and start asking me how 
I can use you for your glory. For my glory. And when I got to that point, things started happening. I've been preaching fairly regularly for the past four and a half years, almost five years that I started speaking for him. I've been podcasting weekly for almost two years. We just had our hundredth show. A hundred straight Fridays of bringing the truth of the scriptures over the airwaves to people who visit my website. And all I can do is say, to God be the glory, great things He has done. You know, the interesting thing about that was, when I was a seven-year-old kid, my biggest ambition was to be a disc jockey at WCSG Christian Radio. And then as God started to mold me, and He started to direct me, and He started to guide me, I thought He was leading me away from radio. And then lo and behold, in August of 2011, I find an opportunity to be on local Christian radio with WJQ. And then by extension, my podcast... And as God has brought people into my show to interview them, to testify of God's grace and mercy, and as I look back over the last two years, I can't help but marvel at the great things that God has done because I was willing to trust Him. Now, do I wake up with that attitude every day? No, I don't. But I have an overall sense of God's peace and the way that He guides and directs. And I'm so thankful for that. And we see in this centurion, because he was willing to humble himself, that his servant was healed. And, you know, if he had just gone all guns blazing, I don't know that his servant would have been healed. There were places in the scripture where it says that Jesus didn't heal anyone there because he knew their hearts. And their hearts weren't right. So if we want Jesus to work, we've got to have right hearts before him. Luke 7. 11. Luke 7 11 says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and many people. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer with a casket. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. 
What a great day that must have been. A day of great mourning turned to a day of great joy. Jesus giving us a glimpse of his power over death and the fact that he would one day, very soon, win the ultimate power over death. But if you know anything about, especially in that culture, in that time, a widow was very reliant on her relatives, especially sons, to provide for her livelihood. So when this young man died, it wasn't just sorrow of losing the relationship, although I'm sure it was there. I'm sure she loved her son. But it was also a, what am I going to do now? And Jesus intervened and he said, weep not. And the one who was dead sat up and began to speak. You know, with each one of these miracles, with each one of these times, it was a new opportunity to see that they weren't just dealing with a carpenter from Nazareth. A carpenter from Nazareth couldn't do these things. But the one who breathed into our nostrils the breath of life could certainly do it a second time. And as great as this physical resurrection was, this man is one of a select few of people that had to die twice. Because death in a physical sense, is still in the world. The Bible says in Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die, sometimes twice, but usually once, and after this, the judgment. The question we all must ask is, am I ready to die? I often say, and I still say, that even though I, my eternity is secure, I would prefer not to experience physical death. Unless I can do it peacefully in my sleep. Then I won't even realize really that it happened. But I have seen people struggle. And I really don't want to go through that physical struggle at the end. So I love the verse in... Christ returneth where it says, O joy, O delight, should we go without dying? No sickness, no sadness, no pain, or no crying. But I know that if I have to die, that God will be with me through it. And He will hold my hand, and He will be by my side, and He may carry me, may drag me kicking and screaming, but He'll be there. But what a wonderful thing it would be to be here on this earth when Jesus decides to call his people home. He will. I always thought that one of the neatest places to be when that happens would be a believer's funeral. 
Because you're sitting there and you're weeping for the loss of this person. And then all of a sudden, you're caught up with the Lord and you see this person alive. Because the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord. But the question is, are you ready? Would you be caught up? And like I said, it's not about whether you went to church. It's not about whether you even believe that Jesus, in an intellectual level, whether you even believe that Jesus is the Messiah and died on the cross. See, so many people can say that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross. But do they really personalize it? Is He your Savior? I can say, Jesus is my Savior. I dealt with the sin question in my life. And I'm not perfect. I still deal with sin. But because I have placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I deal with Jesus as an advocate. The Bible says in 1 John that Jesus Christ is an advocate for us. That He intercedes for us at the right hand of the throne of God. So when Satan, the accuser of the brethren, stands up and says, look at how Andrew acted today. He wasn't acting redeemed. Jesus said, I paid for that once and for all. It's taken care of. It's under the blood. In the Old Testament, when there was the Passover, God said to the Israelites, when I see the blood on your doorposts and on your mantle, I'll pass over you. And he says to us who are redeemed, when I see the blood of my son washing away your sins, I will pass over you and I will bring you to eternity with me in heaven. And as great as it was for this man to be resurrected on that day with Jesus there, how much greater will it be on the last day when those who Jesus loves will be resurrected? When I'll see my baby brother who I lost 22 years ago. When I'll see my grandmother. When I'll meet the unborn children that my mother carried in her womb but never gave birth to. When I, for the very first time, stand up. When I have healthy legs and healthy feet under me. When I fall before the throne of God and declare that Jesus is the Christ to the glory of God the Father. And after that, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do a lot of running. Because I've been storing up. But the point is, I want each of you to be there. And you know what? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. 
Paul said that the coming of Christ was near at hand 2,000 years ago. And so people, some of them stopped working, stopped living a normal life, and just kind of sat around waiting for the coming of the Lord. We should be watchful, we should be waiting, but the waiting we should be doing is to be active about the Lord's work. If you're a mother, be the best mother you can. If you're a plumber, be the best plumber you can. And always represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's coming back. And when He comes back, you want to be ready. And when He comes back and takes us, we will finally not just be perfect in position and endeavoring to be perfect in practice. We will be perfect in practice for all eternity. But only if we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only answer. There's a lot of gods out there or people that purported to speak for God, and they all have one thing in common. They're either dead in the grave, or they never lived at all. But our God was dead in the grave for three days, and then rose from the dead, to give us victory over the grave. To give us a silver lining at every funeral for believers. Yes, we still grieve. It seems like I've lost quite a few friends in the last few years that are around my age. I still don't know exactly what God is doing by allowing that. But for the majority of them, at least I know that I'll see them again. Because they knew the Lord. And they served the Lord. And so He welcomed them home. So my question is, will He welcome you home? When you get to the pearly gates and he asks you, why should I let you into heaven? What's your answer going to be? Is it going to be I went to church every Sunday for 35 years, 40 years, 50 years? Or is it going to be that when I looked at what your son did for me on the cross, when I realized that he died according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures, I trusted him to take away my sin. You know, if the thief on the cross that day that was next to him on the cross could simply turn his head and say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, then surely we can say the same to him today. And for those of us who already have, we can thank Him. We should thank Him at least on a daily basis. I know I need to do better at that. 
Because it's so exciting what he did. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you um, again for these stories in Luke. We thank you for being faithful uh, to share them with us so that we can be encouraged. We pray that as we go through this week that we would remember the God who spoke and made dead people alive. And Lord, we know that you still make dead people alive. We know that if we are dead in our trespasses and sins, that you can make us alive unto Jesus Christ. We pray that if there be anybody here that has not made that cross from death to life, that today would be the day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.